Section 7 of Kentucky's Famous Feuds and Tragedies by Charles G. Mutzenberg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kentucky's Famous Feuds and Tragedies by Charles G. Mutzenberg. Section 7 The Great Hatfield McCoy Feud, Part 6. Governor Wilson still refused to honor Kentucky's requisition for the indicted outlaws asserting that the requisition of Governor Buckner had been and was being abused and prostituted for base purposes, that a warrant issued by the governor of West Virginia would be used for the same purpose. He would withhold the warrants for more positive proof, maintaining that a warrant issued by him before the return to the state of West Virginia of the persons kidnapped in his state and thrown into prison in Kentucky would be construed as a ratification of acts of lawlessness on the part of Kentucky officers, which neither the peace nor the safety of his people could permit or approve of. Instead of the Phillips raid into the territory of a sister state being allowed to stand as examples for the invitation of like occurrences, I am impressed with the belief that they should be made examples of judicial determination which would discourage their repetition either to or from this state. Governor Wilson further announced that he had instituted proceedings in the United States Circuit Court for the District of Kentucky for a settlement of the questions involved. Comment on this attitude of West Virginia's chief executive is unnecessary. Yet we feel that a few paragraphs of Governor Buckner's response are in place. Your Excellency, answered Governor Buckner, in part, seems to have forgotten that, long before any of the Phillips raids referred to had occurred, a band of armed men from West Virginia came into Pike County, Kentucky, violently seized three citizens of the state, who were at the time in custody of the local authorities of that county, forcibly took them to West Virginia, and after detaining them there for some time, brought them back to this state and deliberately shot them to death. That, as early as the 10th of September last, I demanded the rendition of the persons who then stood indicted in the courts of this state for the perpetration of this atrocious crime, and that it was not until after Your Excellency had refused to surrender any of the persons so demanded and until after said persons, or a portion of them, had committed other crimes of the most cruel and revolting character upon unoffending men and helpless women in this state, that Frank Phillips and other citizens of Pike County were guilty of the acts of violence and bloodshed complained of. If Frank Phillips and other citizens of this state have been guilty of crimes against the laws of West Virginia, however great their provocation, I quite agree with Your Excellency that they should be made examples of judicial determination, and up to this time there has certainly been no refusal, upon a proper demand, to surrender them to the authorities of West Virginia for that purpose. On the other hand, however, Your Excellency has, for months past, steadily failed and refused to surrender any of the persons who stand charged by indictment 
with the perpetration of the most atrocious crimes against the laws of this commonwealth, although the demand for them is accompanied by every requirement which your excellency has indicated that you thought necessary, and you now indicate that you will not in the future surrender any of the persons thus demanded under certain citizens of West Virginia, who you think are illegally detained in this state, shall be released from custody and set at liberty. With all due respect, I fail to see the honor of your state will be maintained, or that the peace and safety of its people will be preserved, by a refusal on your part to surrender persons charged with the most flagitious crimes against the laws of this state simply because certain citizens of this state acting on their own motion and without the knowledge or approval of the authorities of this state have in a violent and unauthorized way done that which it was the duty of your excellent to have done in the manner required by law or because i have not felt authorized to interfere with the administration of justice by one of the coordinate branches of state government by attempting to release prisoners over whom I had no control whatever. On the contrary, I respectfully submit that the honor of both states can be better maintained, and the peace and safety of their respective citizens can be better preserved by a prompt rendition of the persons charged with the perpetration of crime in either state, in all cases where such rendition is demanded in the manner prescribed by law, etc. For complete correspondence and exhibits filed therewith, see Documents, Kentucky, 1888, Number 1. Immediately upon the institution of proceedings in the United States Circuit Court for the District of Kentucky, the prisoners captured by Phillips and his men were removed to the Louisville jail pending trial. A great legal battle followed. Kentucky was ably represented by General P. Watt Hardin and former Governor Proctor Knott. The best counsel of West Virginia represented the interests of that state. Phillips was charged with kidnapping citizens of another state and was taken in charge by the United States Marshal. Phillips, on the other hand, assumed personal responsibility for all his acts, and exonerated Governor Buckner from any connivance therewith. The case was argued at length for days. Judge Barr, who presided, decided in an exhaustive opinion that the court had not jurisdiction. The prisoners were therefore returned to the Pike Circuit Court to be tried there for their crimes. As a matter of retaliation, Phillips was indicted in West Virginia with kidnapping citizens of that state without warrant or authority of law. After a long continued legal battle, the redoubtable raider, the captor of as dangerous and desperate a lot of men as ever trod American soil, won his fight in the courts as he had won the many battles with the outlaws. For years afterwards, Phillips traveled in West Virginia wherever he desired. Although the Hatfields did their trading at Matawan, West Virginia, he visited that town frequently and alone, though always well armed. None ever molested him. 
It is significant, however, that the Hatfields and Phillips were never seen in that town on the same day. For some time no further arrests were made or attempted to be made, with the result that those of the Hatfields clan who had never been arrested again issued forth from their hiding places and appeared more boldly. Kentucky officers had long and patiently waited for an opportunity to apprehend Bill Tom Hatfield, for whom there was a large reward. Learning that his partners in crime, Devil Ants and Cap Hatfield, remained at home unmolested, he too had returned to the scene of his evil deeds. The officers kept a sharp eye upon him, however, and succeeded in decoying him near the Kentucky line, the scheme being accomplished through a pretended friend of Bill Tom Hatfield. When he reached the spot designated, he was surrounded and disarmed. The officers attempted to cross into Kentucky, but before they could do so, the news of the capture had spread into the Hatfield neighborhood. A strong force rushed to the rescue of the prisoner. Sheriff Keedle of Mingo County, West Virginia, being near, summoned a posse and started in pursuit. He prevented a bloody encounter by prevailing upon the Kentuckians to release their prisoner. The Hatfields, of course, accused the McCoys of being at the bottom of this affair, which the latter stoutly denied. Bill Tom Hatfield was, however, later in the year, again taken and finally convicted for his participation in the murder of the three McCoy brothers. After the return of the prisoners from Louisville to Pike County, a number of the parties were put on trial. Ellison Mounts was sentenced to hang for participation in the murder of Alifair McCoy during that infamous night attack, while Johns Hatfield, Valentine or Val Hatfield, the Justice of the Peace of West Virginia, Pliant Mayhorn, and others were convicted to the state penitentiary at Frankfort, Kentucky, for life. Val Hatfield set up the remarkable defense that the brothers were killed on the Kentucky side, and that at the time of the shooting he was on the West Virginia side. This was the gist of his appeal to the Court of Appeals in Kentucky. This court, however, in a very pithy opinion, among other things, said, confirming the judgment of the lower court, It is not pretended here that the state should enforce its laws beyond the state boundary, but it is well settled that if either of the appellants had stood on the West Virginia side and shot the deceased in Kentucky, the offense would have been against the laws of Kentucky. Regarding the appellants Mayhorn, the court expressed itself in emphatic language when it said, The law has been enforced in this case, and in its administration the appellants, defendants in the lower court, can truly say to the jury that in inflicting punishment by imprisonment for life it has tempered justice with mercy. The Kentucky Appellate Court affirmed each and every one of the cases appealed. Ellison Mounts, sentenced to die on the gallows for shooting and killing Alifair McCoy, 
appealed on the ground that he pleaded guilty to the charge, and having done so, he was entitled to a sentence of confinement in the state prison instead of hanging. It was claimed for him that the state, in introducing the wife of Randolph McCoy, so brutally beaten that night of January 1, 1888, had taken unfair advantage of his condition, and that, therefore, the case should be reversed. As in the other cases, the Court of Appeals refused to disturb the judgment of the lower court, maintaining that all the authorities agreed that unless a tacit agreement between the state and defendant had been entered into to reduce the punishment, the state had a right, even under the plea of guilty, to introduce testimony illustrating the atrocity of the crime. On February 19, 1890, Ellison Mounts was hanged. For some time previous to the day of execution, the sheriff had on duty a guard of from fifty to seventy-five men, armed to the teeth, and in addition had appointed and sworn an additional force of some twenty deputy sheriffs for the special occasion. Repeated reports had come to Sheriff Mayward that the Hatfields of West Virginia would attempt a rescue. In view of what had transpired in the past, the precaution of the Kentucky sheriff was entirely warranted. On the day of the execution, the largest crowd ever brought together in Kentucky on a similar occasion assembled at the little country town of Pikeville. Careful and conservation estimates judging the number to have been nearly 8,000. They came from all directions, on horseback, on foot, in wagons drawn by oxen. They came long before daybreak, and from that time on until the time of the execution, after noon, the stream of visitors poured into the town. Little children, even, were brought along by mothers who had come to see the hanging with an eagerness with which they would have attended a circus. Is it not strange how morbidly curious most of us are? How we jostle each other so as not to lose a glimpse of misery or death? not strange after all the savage of the stone age is not yet eradicated from our natures while the crowd collected an incident marred the generally peaceable behavior of the mass of people frank phillips was in his cups with a revolver in each hand he walked the streets of the town announcing that he had run the hatfields down and that now he proposed to run the town of Pikeville. Sheriff Mayward remonstrated with Phillips, who showed fight. A number of deputy sheriffs soon disarmed him, and the trouble passed without serious casualty. In the scuffle, the sheriff had been severely injured. As soon as he recovered from the shock, he called the guards, and from that time on matters progressed without any other interruption. At that time, executions were public, not behind walls or enclosures as now. A mile and a half from the town, in a natural amphitheater, the old-fashioned gallows had been erected. The hills overlooking the scene were black with people. A few minutes past twelve, 
the sheriff repaired to the jail and read the death warrant. Keen-eyed guards scanned the people around to detect any possible attempt at rescue. None was made. The condemned criminal listened to the reading of the warrant with the same stoicism that had marked the commission of his crimes. He claimed conversion and hoped that all men and women would lead good lives and to meet him in heaven where he was going. A short time after one o'clock his lifeless form dangled from the gallows beam. Ellison Mount had ceased to be a dread to humanity. Ignorant as the savage of interior Africa, he had no conception of the magnitude of his crimes. A criminal by nature, he was easily influenced to obey the command of those who used him as a tool. Shedding human blood was a pastime with him. However, according to orthodox teaching, he consorts now with the saints. A life of crime seems to have some compensation after all. Many of the criminals being still at large, wanted in Kentucky or elsewhere, the Eureka detectives now took a hand. Among these were A. W. Burnett, W. G. Baldwin, Kentucky Bill, Tom Campbell, and Treve Gibson. To the credit of these brave men, be it said that they apprehended many of these outlaws to answer for crimes other than those recited in connection with this feud. They effected the capture of John Norman, Joe Frank Smith, and John B. Dodson, all of whom were put on trial before Judge T. H. Harvey in Logan County, West Virginia. Johns and Cap Hatfield went west for a time, and though hounded from place to place, Cap was never caught. Johns Hatfield afterward served a short time in the state penitentiary at Frankfort for participation in the night attack on the McCoy home and murder of Alifair and Calvin McCoy. Life's cheap, isn't it? The feud was at an end. Some years later, however, in 1896, Cap Hatfield, still at large, residing unmolested in West Virginia, committed a triple murder under circumstances quite in keeping with his former record of bloodshed. While his killing is only indirectly connected with the feudal troubles, an account of it and the attempted capture serves, however, to illustrate the daring and recklessness of this outlaw. End of section 7